On today's episode of Stay by the Ball, we bring on a new guest to talk about the NBA playoffs. We're going to discuss the new kneeling rule in the NFL, and we're finally going to talk about some baseball. So get ready. Let's do it. All right, so now we got co-host Darren Schrader on. Darren, feel free to introduce yourself. What's up, guys? It's Darren. Grew up in Houston, went to UT Austin by association. I'm a big Houston and, and UT sports fan, uh, so pardon my bias in that regard, uh, but excited to be here and excited to talk some sports. Hell yeah. So first we're going to start off with the NBA playoffs. We'll start off with the Cavs versus Celtics. Cavs closing out Game 7. LeBron coming in clutch, carrying his team to the NBA playoffs for the eighth straight time. He had a pretty good game. But uh, what's the bigger story here, LeBron carrying his team to the finals or the Celtics choking in the fourth quarter? You know, it's it's undeniable LeBron's the GOAT. I mean, been to each of the last eight finals. Uh, I was just running through running through some tweets earlier about uh, what was going on eight years ago. Um, last time LeBron wasn't in the finals, you know, Instagram wasn't even a thing yet. Um, had a different president, uh, just stuff like that. So, I mean... The fact that you're able to carry these mediocre teams to the finals consistently um, is, is pretty remarkable, uh, and that's undeniable. But uh, definitely the bigger story in this Game 7 was how the Celtics just completely disappeared at the end there. I mean, could not make a shot to save their lives in the last six minutes. Uh, just completely fell apart in front of their home crowd. So, I mean, LeBron definitely... Definitely carried his team not even not only in this series but the entire season to take a, a team that to take a team that would be five hundred with, with any other high level player to the NBA finals is, is just ridiculous in in of itself. Um, watching the game, I definitely felt for the Celtics fans there because their team just let them down in the end. You know, I completely agree. I definitely think that I definitely think the Celtics choked very hard in this game. I mean, not taking away from LeBron at all. What LeBron did in this series, I didn't predict. I did not think LeBron could do this, and he did. Further proves that LeBron is the GOAT, like you were saying. This is a dude who constantly puts his team on his back and proves everybody wrong, including myself. I did not think he was going to do it, but let's be real. This game was not an impressive game for either team. This wasn't like Cleveland just showed up and played a great game. I mean, Larry Nance Jr., two points. Kyle Korver, three points. George Hill, six points. LeBron didn't have a triple-double this game. He did score 35 points, but this wasn't a big game by the Cleveland Cavaliers. They only scored 87 points. Um, I think this goes more against Boston. Uh, Boston just kind of shit the bed. I mean, uh, Terry Rozier only had four points, was 0 for 10 from three, and two from 14 from the field goal range. Aaron Baines only had three points. Uh, Tatum pretty much was carrying this team as a rookie, and if a rookie is carrying your team in the conference finals game seven, 
nine times out of ten, I'm going to say that your team's not going to win that game. Cleveland just completely shut down Boston in the fourth quarter. In the last six minutes, they were two for 14 from field goal range. They missed all of their threes they shot. This was just a team that could not put the ball in the hoop. And, I mean, regardless of what you want to say about either team, if you don't put the ball in the basket and don't score points, you're not going to win the game. And at the end of the day, Boston did not put the ball in the hoop in the last in the last six minutes of the game. And that's really what determined the game right there. But regardless, either of these teams winning are going to get shut down by whatever team wins the Western Conference Finals. I mean, am I wrong? Yeah, to me, uh, being a big college football fan, uh, this this Eastern and Western Conference Finals kind of reminds me of uh, Big Ten versus Big 12 football. Um, Big Ten being the 7 last night, you see two, two offenses that are really struggling. Uh, it's kind of it's kind of sad to watch in, in some cases, but then LeBron is like the Ohio State running back, just kind of putting the team on his back when you have two two really terrible quarterbacks running the show. But uh, whereas you have the, the Western Conference being Big 12 offenses where it's kind of like run and gun, uh, nothing but threes, nothing but deep balls, and there's not much defense as well. Uh, so it's, it's kind of style of play. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they match up. So would you say that without LeBron James, the Eastern Conference would be... Pathetic. Sad. <laughs> it's like the SEC East in, in football. I don't, I don't see any way that the uh, NBA Finals wouldn't just be uh, four games and done without LeBron. I, th- I think uh, having LeBron on your team... Uh, gets you maybe one or two wins against against the West, but I don't, I don't see it being any more than that for sure, no matter who escapes from the West. But speaking of the Western Conference Finals, we got Game 7 tonight. CP3 is questionable. Game time decision, so we'll see if he plays. If he doesn't play, how much of a percent chance do you see Houston winning tonight? You know, I don't think there's any way CP3 doesn't get on the court. Uh, he's He's been... He's been dreaming for this finals his entire career. Never has um, made it to a conference cannot, finals. Cannot imagine him not getting out there, even if his, even if the the trainers and and D'Antoni don't want him to play. But how important is it for Houston to have Chris Paul on the floor tonight? Oh, it's very important, especially if uh, Harden decides to not show up for for three quarters of the game. Um, you know, you got to have that fire. You got to have that spirit that Chris Paul brings to the table. He's definitely so, the leader of that team. Yeah, I say, I mean, without him on the court, I, I got to say it's probably 60-40 Warriors, if not 75-25. Uh, with him on the court, it, it goes to 60-40 Rockets, in my opinion, especially at home. Yeah, that home court is definitely a huge advantage. Do you see Harden laying a goose egg, or do you see Harden stepping up and finally proving to everybody that he is the superstar that everybody wants to think he is? You know, I I also think that's one good thing about Chris Paul being in the game. I think he fires up Harden. He gets he gets Harden to play at a, an above average level. Um, you know, we we've seen Harden in the past kind of disappear in a lot of playoff games, um, and I don't think he has that that drive. I think he has to feed off of somebody else's energy, and I think that's that's one reason that the Rockets were so successful this year is he fed off of Chris Paul's energy. So yeah, I think I think. Harden might get off to a slow start uh, if he has CP3 next to him. I think 
I think you can turn it on and, and pump up this Houston crowd and feed off of that energy as well and, and make it a huge game, huge game seven. So before this series started, what was your predictions? Did you pick Houston to win, and how many games did you have them winning in? I had Houston winning in seven. Uh, definitely didn't see any way we could pull it off in, in fewer games than that. Not against this legendary Warriors team at all. Game seven being at home is a huge advantage for the Rockets. I think that that's going to be the, the, the determining factor if all else goes according to plan, and that plan being Harden steps up, Chris Paul plays and plays well and is a leader and gets his team going. Yeah, and you see these uh, these role players, the Arizas and the P.J. Tuckers, you know, they all, they all feed off of CP3s and Harden's energy as well. And I think they, in this series and in the playoffs in general, they've, they've played better at home. They've made their shots at home. And so I think that helps a lot as well. Yeah, Ariza, Gordon, and Capella are definitely going to need to have a big game. Nobody can be sleeping in this game. The big question on the Warriors' side is going to be if they step up and play the way that everybody thinks they should play because the times that they've lost in this series is the times where KD's been, I don't want to say irrelevant because he's still put up good numbers, but comparative to what he can do, they've been eight numbers. Um, Curry has been a beta. He's been hit or miss. He only shows up when the eyes aren't on him. I.e. the third quarter, Clay Thompson's been asleep. Draymond Green has been physical to the point where he's getting technical fouls. So, what Warriors team do we see show up tonight? Do we see the superstar Warriors team that we've seen the past three years, or do we see the fractured, weak, beta Warriors that we've been accustomed to seeing so far this series? I think what's unique about this series is you see the Warriors play nervous and play on their toes for the first time in in any playoff series I've watched with them. You, you see a Warriors team that knows that they have a matchup that is a legitimate one, which they haven't seen in in four years. I mean, you you can tell that they have nerves and that affects their play especially on the road i mean you you've seen curry completely disappear from the game you've seen clay not show up until game 6 you've seen draymond being classic draymond and letting his anger get to him and, and that affects his play um, so tonight specifically i think i think there's no way you see a game 6 repeat where clay just completely goes off i think that was that was him feeding off the home crowd um, I think Curry will have Curry like numbers. He'll he'll have a big third quarter and he'll he'll put up some good numbers. Um, I think KD continues his strong performance on the road, um, but I don't think it's enough to to overcome the Houston home crowd. I mean this this Houston crowd has been waiting for this moment since 1995, um, so they want it just as bad as the players do. And I think I think Houston gets it done tonight. Yeah, I definitely think this is any team's game, and it's going to be who steps up more. But I think that Harden is going to bring in all of this adrenaline and all this pressure, and he's going to he's going to shine. And I think the Warriors are going to break down and crack under pressure. And I think you're going to see the downturn of the Warriors dynasty here. Yeah, and I think it's it's Harden's Harden's time to shine. I mean, he's been a little underwhelming in this series, and. If he's gonna be, 
he's going to be a top five player like he says he is. The guy. Yeah, then he has to show up in a game seven like this. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's going to be a great game. Do you see it being a blowout or do you see it being a close game? I personally think it's going to be a very close game. And yeah, I, don't I think it's going to be the most exciting game of the conference finals on both the East and West side so far. Yeah, I don't see it any way. It's, it's not a close game. Um, Rockets might pull out to some, some big leads, but I think definitely in the third quarter the Warriors are going to keep it close. Yeah, it's definitely going to be a more exciting fourth quarter than the Cavs-Celtics because that game so. was just so frustrating. That, um, that game was just full of four shots, and I think this game is going to be a constant back-and-forth shooting battle where both teams are making shots. But, uh, yeah, it'll be, it'll be a fun game to watch. So, final percentage chance, Rockets winning. What do you? What percentage chance do you give them? Uh, like I said, Chris Paul on the court changes the entire outlook. Um, so, so, CP3 uh, going in like I think he will. I say 60-40, Rockets. Rockets get the dub. Yeah, I'm giving 60-40. I just can't give them more than 60% against this Warriors team. It's just this team is, if they play their best, they're just too good to stop. But like I've been saying all along, I don't think they're as good as everybody says. They definitely have their moments where they get fractured and they break down on each other. And I think that the Rockets can exploit that and come up on top to win this game. On to our next segment. The NFL has made a new rule banning kneeling. Darren, do you see this as a positive or negative impact in the NFL? Man, I am just so tired of hearing about kneeling in general. Um, I think we were finally starting to get away from that issue, and I almost feel like this is just adding fuel to the fire at this point. Um, I think the, the happiest medium we can get to is... Just let the players do whatever they want and just not give it the attention that the media has given it. I mean, a lot of these players have legitimate causes, uh, legitimate thoughts about inequality and stuff, but I mean, a lot of players I feel are doing it for the doing it for the, the airtime, the FaceTime on, on TV. I mean, you know NBC's going to put that, put that on, on the live telecast every single time. They, they love stoking up the drama, and they love stoking up the, the divisiveness. And, you know, I'm just so tired of this getting such a huge spotlight. I would love for all the, the NFL players to have patriotism and, and want to wanna show off their American pride and stand up for the national anthem every game. Um, but we don't live in a perfect society where everybody's happy all the time. So, I mean, if you just let them do what they want, and just not freak out. Both sides just need to not freak out all the time, and then we can live peacefully and we can get over this issue. Yeah, it's definitely been frustrating to watch over the past year, and I think the media is to blame for most of this frustration. Absolutely. Because the what and the why are very two different answers, and the media, depending on what side the media wants to portray... The, the what is being, is it has a different definition. To dive down into it, you have the players kneeling, and they're kneeling because of police brutality and inequality in American society, which I don't think anybody is arguing against. But this situation, the actions they took, have been misdefined to where they are now 
against American culture, um, against American heroes, against American patriotism. And instead of saying, whoa, 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 wait, that's not what we're trying to say, they went ahead and kept doing it. But in reality, what they were doing and the why is different than what the media and what the majority of the NFL viewers were thinking. NFL viewers were thinking, oh, they're kneeling because they hate America, whereas in reality they were kneeling because they were trying to bring to light these this unfair bias against black Americans. And I think there's two ways to you could go about this. Either one, you could get the rest of society to be like, wait, we miss we miss saw what was happening. You're not against American patriotism. Or you could have the NFL players choose a different avenue to protest this inequality. And I think this argument goes a lot deeper than sports and a lot deeper than football. And football is taking the hit for this back and forth argument. And the NFL making this rule about kneeling. To be fair, the NBA had already made a rule about kneeling. The NBA has already banned kneeling for them. So I'm not surprised the NFL doing this. But I do think because of all of the media attention around kneeling in the NFL, this rule does not help. I think that this rule is only going to make the argument... It's only going to fuel the fire. It's, it's only going to fuel the fire. Any kind of, any kind of disagreements, any kind of, any kind of clashes between sides, for sure. I mean, it's just going to, just going to fuel the fire. So, so, so this is my stance on, on the national anthem and and all of this stuff, all of these rules and stuff. I think the way I see the national anthem at sporting events is, you have these athletes that are getting paid millions of dollars to, to play a game, essentially, um, for their job, for their career. And then you have these fans that are able to spend hundreds and thousands of dollars on tickets to go watch these athletes play a game. And just the fact that you're able to do those two things is something you should be thankful for. Um, you stand for the national anthem because you realize how lucky you are to have the freedoms that you do in this country to have no worries and, and enjoy a sporting event. Um, and, and so that's, that's my take on standing for the national anthem is being thankful for the, for the rights and privileges you have in the country you're in to, to be able to make millions of dollars off of a game, essentially off of a, off of a sporting event. And, uh, regarding the rules, I mean, We've seen in the NFL that making more and more rules isn't, isn't the way to solve a problem. You saw it with the celebrations. You saw, you've seen it with other things in the NFL. It, I mean, it's just going to have backlash. And and uh, the way you solve a problem is by letting people do what they want to a, to a degree uh, to give people freedom to do what they want. But you definitely don't solve a problem by regulating the game so much that it's not fun in any regard anymore. So do you see this as being the start of the end of the NFL? Uh, no. I don't, I don't think it's that. I don't think it, it's, it's that serious in that regard. Um, I think it's, it's one thing that's going to tarnish 
it's going to create a lot of it's going to take away from a lot of the, a lot of games this year. It's going to be an issue that overshadows more important things that we need to be talking about. It's going to be an issue that you know ESPN is going to spend hours and hours talking about and covering. Um, but I think it's one of those things that probably gets reversed or gets amended uh, pretty quickly here because, um, you know, the NFL executives are going to save their asses at all costs. So, uh, yeah. So I think this could be the end of the, the start of the end of the NFL because you saw last year with the whole kneeling situation, in, in within itself, they had the lowest viewership ever. And you have two sides to this. You have the people who hate the people kneeling and you have the people who are in support of the people kneeling. Well, the NFL's already pissed off the people who are against the people kneeling. And those people are already done with the NFL. They're tired of all the drama. They're tired of all the politics. And then you go and make a rule saying that these players can't kneel. Well, you just pissed off the other half of the NFL population. And so I think you're going to start to see a lot less viewership for... Even, I think you're going to see a lot less people watch this season than you did last season and that's going to make the NFL do even more drastic rule changes even more drastic things in order to get viewers back and I think as you've seen in the past in order for them what they've done to try to bring viewers back has only made things worse and this is just trickling down to to the to the young kids wanting to play football between the concussions between the injuries now between all the politics I think you're going to see a lot of kids who grow up wanting to be an NFL player. I think you're going to see a lot more kids grow up not wanting to be an NFL player. They're going to want to be another athlete for another sport. And I think this is really going to hurt the future talent-wise in the NFL, as well as I think this is going to hurt the viewership of the NFL. And I think that this is only going to get worse in the future as our country gets more political and more divisive. I think you're only going to see a greater division in football as well. All right, now on to our next segment. We're finally going to be talking about the MLB. Been excited to talk about this. There's a new number one team among the MLB power rankings, and that is the Houston Astros. They have jumped up from third place to first place, passing the Red Sox and the Yankees. So, Darren, is this a big deal or no deal at all? Well, you know, being from Houston, I have no bias or emotional attachment to this, this story here. Um, but absolutely, it's a huge deal. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, it's still early. Um, I think it is important to note that the Astros have been pretty average in the hitting department. And so the fact that they can still be the top of the power rankings with, with some subpar at-bats and some high strikeout numbers and some low home run numbers uh, just speaks to the dominance that is the Astros starting pitchers. Um, that's what it comes down to. That's the reason we're at the top, and that's the reason why I think we're going to stay at the top. Um, you know, the bats can only, bats are only going to stay dead for so long. They're going to wake up eventually, and I think that it's going to come at the end of the year, um, and that's when the Astros are going to turn it on and, and make a run. And so, um, still early, a lot can happen. Injuries can happen, uh, knock on wood. Um, a lot can change. But um, I think it's a very good – Astros fans should, should be very relieved that for as bad as we've looked hitting some games, for as many zeros as we put up offensively in, in these, these first couple of games, the first, first quarter of the season, that we're still at the top of the power. I think says a lot about our pitching staff. 
to answer the question, is this a big deal? It is May. Baseball is a long season. Baseball has the most games of any professional sport. So, no, this is not a big deal because there's still a lot more time to play. We're not even halfway through the season. But it does go to show that a Houston Astros team that has been struggling, like you said, hitting-wise, can still be number one. And I think it just helps the Astros' confidence in the fact that, hey, we can rely on our pitching. We can work on getting our bats back to the way they were last year and compete against these teams like the Red Sox, who do have a better record than the Astros right now, and the Yankees, who, while the Astros do have a better record and they're playing a series against them right now, so far after today, they're 1-0 in the series, but Yankees are a good team. They got a grot- They have a lot of great power hitters, and they do have a good pitching staff. Not as good as Houston's, but they are a scary team in baseball. And let's get this straight, that if the Yankees are at the top of the power, power rankings right now, Lord help us, ESPN would not know what to talk about. They'd have to try to balance their time between LeBron and in New York Yankees and, and Aaron Judge, they wouldn't know how to how to prioritize their sports center segments. But uh, luckily, we don't have to worry about that. The Astros are on top, and, and they can focus all on LeBron. So Astros have a pretty tough series coming up. They they have this series against the Yankees. Then they have a series. They just finished their series against the Cleveland Indians, which are a great team. And then after the Yankees, they have a series against the Red Sox. And then after that, they have a series against the Mariners, who are also top ten teams. How do you see the Astros doing in this huge stretch against tough teams? You know, I, I honestly, I honestly can see them struggling a little bit here and there, um, especially if the bats stay quiet. Uh, you see, you see some pitching performances from from Garrett Cole and McCullers that haven't been as sharp as they have been at the beginning of the year. Um, but you also see players like Jose Altuve starting to get hot. Um, so I think that anything can really happen. You might even see a, a shift from a, a, a defensive team with dominant pitching to the same offensive powerhouse that we've seen from previous years from these Astros. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's a tough set of games coming up and anything can happen, but uh, I, I see the Astros remaining, remaining dominant. I see them. Yeah, it's a tough run they got, but like you said, I think I think they're going to struggle a bit here and there, but overall I think they'll do pretty well. Honestly, it's going to come down to two things, hitting and bullpen. We all know their starters are going to do well. you got Verlander, McCullers, Morton, Cole, and Keuchel. And if Keuchel is the worst of your five in your rotation, you're doing pretty well. And if we can get the bat on the ball and get some hits and put runners on base – I don't think that there's any team that can keep up with us. Absolutely. The problem is, is going to be if we don't put runners on base, we don't score runs, and it's a close game and we have to bring in our bullpen because our bullpen has been struggling continuously throughout this season. We don't have a reliable closer. Ken Giles is hit or miss. Under pressure, he chokes. We have just on Sunday, we went through every single one of our relievers three of which went through the ninth inning and gave up 45-plus pitches and five runs. And we went to the 14th inning of that game using all of our all of our relievers, and we still lost that game. We don't have a solid closer that we can always rely on. So 
we have to put runs on the board in order for us to win because in close games, I don't have faith in our bullpen to shut down the other team's offense and get the save. So now on to my favorite segment, the Dumbass of the Week. My Dumbass of the Week goes to Zlatan Ibrahimovic of the LA Galaxy. Not only did he slap a player and get a red card for it, but he also fell on the ground and flopped in the most obvious way possible. This wasn't even close to pretending that he was hurt. The dude barely stepped on his foot and he's on the ground, rolling around, pretending like his leg is about to fall off. So Ibrahimovic... You're one of the best players in the world. You know better than this. You can do better. Stop slapping other players and stop flopping to try to try to get out of trouble. You know better. And that right there is a microcosm for my feelings towards soccer. And that'll do it for this week's episode. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at SBB Podcast. Until next time. Texas.